0: Welcome to the Choose Optimism Podcast, brought to you by Optimist International, a podcast to let you know of all the good things that might be happening right in your own backyard. This is a podcast to highlight the positive influences of optimist clubs right in your own community. We always like to start off the Choose Optimism Podcast with a quote to get you thinking about what we're going to talk about and maybe uh, have something inspire in your life. And Today, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence confidence. At this time, it is my pleasure to introduce Cheryl Bren, the Executive Director of Optimus International. Cheryl, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk to us about Optimus International.
1: Why, thank you. I am delighted to be with you today.
0: So one of the things we do when we start these uh, uh, podcasts with, with our guests, we, I want to hear what your Optimist story is. What? How did you get involved in the Optimist organization? Obviously, you were hired as our Executive Director, but had you had any optimism things prior to that?
1: That well, um, that's a that's a great question. And um I will back up a little bit because the answer is kind of yes and you no. Know. So like many people in our organization, I do have a heart for service. Um, I was a kid who grew up in a service club family, and my dad was a longtime Rotarian. Um And so volunteerism is, is just part of my DNA and I was trying to find, you know, my, my place in the world, right? I graduated from college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and I naturally uh, gravitated towards some volunteer service because that's, that's the kind of space I grew up in. So I started volunteering actually with two organizations. Um, and both of them are probably familiar to to many of our members. The first was um Hobie, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership, which I heard about at a at a rotary meeting with sitting next to my dad. He's like, You should come to Rotary. So I went there, and clearly it wasn't the space for me in my early 20s. But um, but this this Hobie thing sounded really cool, and I could volunteer for that. And in volunteering for that, I heard about this other organization called the JC's Junior Chamber. And both of those were really paramount in in shaping who I was and and giving me some experience. And and I decided after being a volunteer in those spaces is really, you know what, this is what I want to do and get paid for So I actually just want to get paid to do what I was doing as a volunteer. And that led me into the nonprofit field. And today, like people, young people can study nonprofit management and get their master's degrees and all those kinds of things in, in nonprofit management, association management, I didn't even know that existed as a career until I was like, there has to be a way that that I can do what I do as a volunteer and get paid for it. And that was um, that led me into association management and a pathway of working in nonprofit and associations for, throughout my career. So I landed in this organization called Hobie as a volunteer. Um, for 14 years, I volunteered there. And then I transitioned to their staff team. And if you're familiar with that organization, it's because a lot of our Optimist Club support it. Optimists were what we had called in our Hobie space, um, one of our cooperating organizations. So there's a lot of Optimist clubs out there that support their local Hobie seminar. um, And and we're really instrumental in bringing Hobie across the country locally, because that's what we did. We worked with organizations like Optimist and JCs to to bring these programs to to local sites and and local colleges. And in particular, I will tell you that um, the Canadian Hobie program, um, was has very deep roots in optimism and um, and I worked with our Canada site as the is the chief International programs officer for Hobie. So I was quite familiar with Optimus and um, and knew about it. And when the opportunity presented itself, like for me, it was it was kind of a culmination of all of the things, not only my work life, but the my my personal passion as well as in in volunteering and service. So it all kind of came together and said, hey, this is a really unique opportunity. So when that was uh, was put in front of me, I I was very quick to say, to put my hand up and say, I, I want to be considered in this space. And, and so, yeah, I applied for the job and went through that process. And um, and here
0: I am. How lucky are you to get paid to volunteer instead of being voluntold like the rest of us?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny. And I tell people that and they're like, wow, but it really is. I mean, I've always loved volunteering. And and that led me down a path, you know, professionally, because and, and that's why I believe so strongly in actual in volunteer service, because you can learn so many skills, you can try things out, you can make mistakes, and know that this is a safe space to do those things. Um, you know, and, and you really can, can, can hone your skills in a way and figure out what you're good at. So for so long, I've worked with young people and I will always encourage them to go volunteer someplace, like try what, try something out for size, instead of making a commitment to something, you know, that you're not sure if it's going to be a good fit for you. Um, and, and I was just really grateful to, to be able to, to be a volunteer and, and to really kind of explore different things and to learn those skills. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent for it.
0: So you have been with the Optimist Organization for close to two years now. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. So tell us about some of the experiences you've had and some of the things that you love about being the executive director and the daily things that you deal with uh, on the Optimist International level. Well,
1: I will tell you, there's never a boring day. And I can have a day planned out. And usually it takes a left turn around 9.15. <laughs> Um. There's never a boring day. Sometimes I wish for a boring day, but there's never a boring day. So it's been interesting Like this is an incredible organization with an incredible history, right? I refer to this as a legacy organization. We've been around for over a century, um, which means that a lot of people have come before me, both in this space, but just in, in the membership space and, and the people who, who had a vision to say, hey, let's do this and, and let's evolve this to where it is today so i'm extremely mindful of the legacy that we carry and i consider myself a, a a steward of that you know a temporary steward is that you know to to be able to to be able to to help guide this organization um and hopefully to to a new person in the future not not anytime soon don't get me wrong but <laughs> i like what i do but um i also use the term a lot and and if people have talked to me i use this term a lot and i say you know we've peeled back the onion um Cause there's a lot of layers and we've done, I mean, my first year, year and a half was, was a tremendous amount of inquiry. Like, why do we do those things? What, what brought us to this place? You know, what has that process been? Um, and it is, it is having that kind of fresh eyes on things to say, well, does this make any sense for us to do this any longer? You know, there are some things that as an organization, we must modernize. There are some things as an organization, we must uh, reevaluate. There are some things as an organization, we just must transition to. And all of those are difficult, but those are what will help build us into a more sustainable organization as we move forward. Um, and and also recognizing that the challenges that we have as an organization aren't unique to us quite quite honestly which is sometimes uh, um it gives me hope that there is there is great there is great hope for our future because we're trying to solve problems that other organizations are trying to solve as well you know and when i think about things like how do we how do we become relevant to younger generations how do we stay relevant to the people who are in our organization today? How do we um, appeal to to new people? How do we continue to meet the needs of changing communities and changing society? Um, and what is our role in all of that? So I think it's been it's been a, it's been an incredible opportunity for me to learn about what we've what we have done in the in the contributions, but also to look at things and say, oh my gosh. Like we should be so proud of some of these things and we should be shouting them from the rooftop and, you know, attending the the World Oratorical Championships, like I was so blown away by that program and to know that our oratorical oratorical contest, that's a mouthful, our oratorical contest has been around for almost a hundred years And if you think about that, and you think about the number of young people who have come through that program and whether they won or just came through the program that themselves and said, okay, maybe I didn't win at any level, but to have that experience, you know, those types of of experiences for young people, not only just help them build their skills, but it builds their confidence It helps shape who they are. And you never know where those things lead. And you think about a program that's been around for nearly a century on its own And you're not thinking thousands of people, you're thinking hundreds of thousands of young people. And that is so significant. And recognizing like the impact that we have made on generations just makes me wanna ensure that we're here for more generations.
0: Uh, I think the statistic for Optimist International is isn't it one optimist affects the lives of 33 kids? when they're a member of an Optimist Club? Well, I'm not
1: quite sure where that would have come from. It sounds great, though. <laughs> um, you know, I think that's hard to measure. Um, and, and part of that is that we don't have great metrics. Um, we do get some great reporting from some clubs. And 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 this is always why, you know, we like to get things like the President's Pride Report, the Club Pride Report, because when, when people submit that, we can then start to measure. But, you know... I would venture to say that that's probably a very good statistic. It it probably is even a little lighter or I'm sorry, a little bit more robust than that. That's probably a little bit on the light side because when you start thinking about the magnitude, it's a ripple effect, right? And that's, that's what we want to continue. And that's what we want to amplify.
0: That's part of the reason we started this podcast was to show people that there is a lot of good things happening in their backyard that they probably don't know about and can be a part of if they want to make a difference
1: and i think that's i think most people want to make a difference um i think most people want to to be involved and know that they're being a positive contribution to society most um but a lot of people just don't know how or don't know where or don't know how, who to call to get started and, you know, and if we can, can help to bridge those gaps and figure out ways that we can um, just make ourselves more available and even in different ways. So maybe it's not, maybe it's not a traditional club model anymore, or or maybe there's an alternative ways for us to do that. The The idea that people don't want to volunteer any longer is a misnomer. Volunteerism in this country is, is on the rise, quite frankly. So, um, but what we do know is, is that people do want to make a positive contribution. Um, it's it's sometimes adjusting the way they do that and recognizing that people don't have the the, the type of time that they had 20 years ago. Um, you know, I always use the example of, of, I'm a member of the St. Louis Downtown Optimist Club. That Optimist Club meets in our building on the third floor once a month. Do you know how difficult it is for me to get to that meeting? I have to ride the elevator, but it's difficult for me to get it into my schedule and keep it. And like those are the challenges that we have to recognize aren't just unique to me. They're unique to a lot of people and figuring out how we find ways for people to connect with us in the way that works for them. So we're meeting people where they are, as opposed to saying, but this is how we do it.
0: Tell us in your position, because every year we have a new president, which is voted on by our membership. And it's a, you know, that's a changing thing. And obviously a lot of the board members stay the same, but everything is changing now. Tell us what it's like working with actual members in the Optimist International Organization. Well, that's
1: the best part. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have a great staff team, um, but when we get to work with members directly, you know, I think that's, that is that's when the boots on the ground and you know you're doing great things. Um, you know, our role here is to to ensure and support the the direction of the members' organization, you know, because you are the state members are the stakeholders, right? But we also recognize that 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 volunteer leadership does change every year. Um, we have a a a good track record of 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 trying to make sure that we we Prepare presidents in a way so they're really able to serve, but the challenge—the challenge that that I think volunteer leaders um, face—is that you know time is infinite, but a year is finite. And I, being in this space, you know, as an executive director, I get to kind of continue that. So I like to look at that volunteer leadership from year to year as passing the baton, as opposed to a start and stop date. It's moreover, like, how do we can, you know move forward? And again, because a president gets elected in advance, they come onto the board for a year, they're in their president position, they stay on the board for another year. So our board members have these three-year terms, and that includes the president. So there's a con- level of continuity. And we want to have that. We don't want to have a start, stop, start, stop, change, change direction. What we want to do is continue that loop and and be able to pass the baton and and accelerate the things that, that perhaps one president's term started and through the next one as opposed to stopping and starting something new and adding and layering and figuring out what's working and what's continuing as opposed to um, looking at it as a closed circle. I think that's, that's key for us.
0: And I'm sure it's fun to work with the volunteer members because they have great ideas and they're so enthusiastic it's great to see the presidents that I've met through Optimus International are always there for us when we need them as members. Well,
1: and and understand the commitment that these volunteer leaders put into this. Nobody goes into that that role as president without understanding that it is a labor of love. <laughs> you it is it is a lot of work. It is it is truly a labor of love for the organization, um, because that is they want to see the organization strengthen and continue and it is it is a, an incredible um amount of fun but it, it's also you know you want to make sure that you help them reach their goals i mean that's what i feel a biggest part of my job is is to with with the organization is that we help our volunteer leadership reach their goals as well and because those are centered on making us a stronger organization so yeah it's 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 very rewarding um it's frustrating when things don't go the way you think they're going to work. And, and you see people put their heart and soul into things. And and I think most of our staff puts their heart and soul into everything they do here as well, because they just believe in, in our volunteer leadership um, and believe in the organization and to see the level of commitment that our, our volunteer leaders have is, is inspiring. Some of the stuff
0: that, that you do as general day-to-day as the executive director, what are the, some of the tasks that help keep our organization Flowing in a productive manner and not hitting the water too, too, uh, too often. Oh,
1: boy. Um, well, first off, there are not enough hours in the day and there's not enough days in the week to get through all the things um, because there are just there's just so much that goes on. And, you know, and there is no typical day. Um, I will say that Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays are always filled with meetings Um, so we can kind of move forward. I try to hold Mondays and Fridays as I call them work days. So so if you're trying to get a meeting with me on a Friday, I generally try to do no meeting Fridays Um, because I need a day to catch up on some work. I will say a lot of what my job is, is communication. And sometimes that is... (laughs) Communicating things that people want to hear. Sometimes it is is helping navigate situations that we have miscommunications in, um, and you know, and and problem solving. I mean, problem solving is a big part a big part of what we do, what I do, and and how we run into a situation and say, how are we going to navigate this? How are we going to get this straightened out? Um, and understanding that people are so committed to their clubs and their districts and the organization. Um, and sometimes we have to navigate through very, you know, emotional dis- the kind of situations and, and help problem solve, you know, the way through that. But there is no day that is like the other. Um, I, I do spend quite a bit of time, you know, working with a team here at, at the headquarters to make sure that we're we're trying to meet the the objectives that we set out. Um, but a lot of a lot of time is spent in problem solving and working through solutions with either volunteers, volunteer leaders, or staff members. And I very rarely say no to things either. I try to say, "Oh, that's interesting," and figure out a way to get to yes. So if if somebody's looking to do something and and we have to figure that out, then I try to spend a lot of time. I do spend a lot of time trying to to help figure those things out and navigate those situations.
0: So as a the executive director, uh, you must get to travel and visit some clubs here and there. Uh, do you have a Favorite memory so far of visiting a club or a district that you have been to being the executive director?
1: Oh, my gosh. That is actually one of the things I love to do the most. And um, I probably haven't, haven't carved out enough time to do that. I love doing club visits. And, um, and I think that's where you really get to see, you know, what's, what's really happening at the grassroots level. And, and sometimes I've just, you know, been in an area and I've called up a club and, or sent an email and say, Hey, I'm going to be there. Can I, can I come to your meeting on Wednesday night? And so, so if you're a club president or a secretary and you get an email like that from me, um. Please say yes, because I, I love actually just stopping in and talking to members and they're so our members are so delightful. And I find that that is one of the things that really inspires me the most is when you see what's happening out there in the field. It is It is very easy to get caught up sometimes in the work that we do and and the things, all the things that have to be done. And we're getting ready for a board meeting and we're, you know, we've got all of these committee meetings and you're trying to help committee members get to to their, their goal and what they're going to get accomplished. And we forget that really it's the impact that's happening at the local level so getting out and doing club meet, just visiting clubs is something that I look forward to and, and just really enjoy doing that. I actually have a couple coming up in the next few weeks where people have um, asked me to come to their club meeting and I it's just so delightful. So um, I love that. I just had the chance to attend uh, the fourth quarter conference up at the Great Ohio District and that was just a, a ton of fun as well and just to see people celebrate each other and you know, recognize the accomplishments and and to be able to visit with members is is a real joy.
0: Well, without our membership, we do not have an organization. And I preach to people that we are are an inverted pyramid and we need them to keep this organization alive.
1: I mean, that's, that's, yes. (laughs) You know, I, it's so funny because I do tell people that our business is people, right? We're a business of people. We're an organization of people. We are a group of people, who do great things, but without people, we fail to exist. And, you know, that's such an important part of, of who we are. We can't do and continue to do the things that make us great without people. And, you know, this is one of the things that that I know that, that clubs are like, you know, oh, everything's about growth, but it's about people. And it's about letting people in who, who actually need the opportunity. And, and that is the way I view it. You know, someone invited me to volunteer. Someone invited me to come to the JCS. You know, someone invited me to, to volunteer with Hobie. Somebody thought, hey, I'd be good at this. I, I mean, I can assure you the easiest answer is always no. But the reality is if, if you think about who invited you, who opened the door, who said, hey, you know, I think you'd really like this not every, it's not for everybody, but it is for a lot of people. And and if we're creating environments where people feel welcome and people feel appreciated, and they know that they're heard and valued, that's even better, right? But we are in the business of people. And I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. We can do great things, but without the people, the great things can't happen.
0: As the executive director, I'm sure you have some goals that you want to get accomplished or some stuff that you want to see happen. What are some of your big goals and visions moving Optimus International forward? That's a big question, Shane. That's a big question. Um, How much time do we have? So how would you pick a couple of your favorites or the one you're most passionate about?
1: So um, I'm really passionate about youth
0: programs. So
1: obviously if I spent that long with with Hobie and, and things like that, people know how passionate I am about youth programming. And I think we have an incredible opportunity with our joy program um, to really look at that and a, with a fresh lens and say how do we how do we make that more relevant? So that is some of the work that we're starting to do is is look at how we how we reinvent joy in a way that's that's effective, even more effective, I should say, for today and tomorrow for for young people. How do we elevate that? I want to elevate the the. World Oratorical and our entire oratorical program. Um, because again, these are things that are so phenomenal. I had the opportunity to visit um uh, to, to go to the junior golf championship this year, oh, it just blew me away. Um I, and I loved working. I work I, I worked the the young group, the the 10 to 12 year old, I believe, and and uh volunteered with, with people down there for, for that that phase. And it was so fun. And you see these things and you're like, we just need to we need to elevate our programming a bit. Um, directionally, I want us to find some ways to reach people who wouldn't necessarily be in a traditional club. I want to find ways for, for us to, to really walk the walk of optimism. And when I say that, I mean, like be the place that people who really want to live a positive life and understand, and not that toxic positivity, but the real, like the understanding of what it means to live in a space of optimism and hope and have an optimistic outlook on the world. Because I think the world needs that. And like come to come here to find all of that. Um, so you know, we're we've been working on one a plan we call the internally call future focus and and really are, are kind of honing in on how we continue to stabilize the organization and how then we can accelerate the organization forward. You know, the Optimus Optimus International might look different in five years and 10 years. and it should because if it's the same organization that's been the same for the last 30, then are we actually then continuing to meet the needs because our society changes at such a rapid pace. Um, so so for us to continue to kind of be relevant, to move forward, to, to be able to bring content to people about who we are, what we do, and why would they want to be a part of it? Because we want to build a, a, an environment where people feel like they are connected to something that is going to make their life better. I could go on for a while, but I'll stop there.
0: I always tell people the quickest way for a club to die or an organization to die is to say, we have always done things this way. Oh, willing to try new things. You you need to be able to try new things to get more membership and try new things just to make your club that much better all the time
1: it's well that's the thing i think those are like the seven deadliest words that we can hear in any organization but we've always done it that way um and to recognizing that it is okay to try and fail it is i mean not try to fail but try and fail. right if you try something new and it doesn't work okay no harm no foul um But what if it does? Instead of sitting and saying, well, gosh, you know, but we've always done it this way. And if we did it that way, this could happen. No, but what could go right? What could go right? And we have to be willing to take a little bit more risk. Uh, we have to be willing to be open to new ideas. Um, we have to be willing to say there's other ways of doing it. And the other piece is, is as an organization, as an entity. I mean, I look at I look at organizations always as living, breathing things. And if we're not putting new energy into that living, breathing thing, then that living, breathing thing is actually starting to 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 die. Right. Um, so living, breathing things always need new energy. In our case. Um, you know, energy. Our energy commodity is people.
0: That's like when I have a new uh, club chair or a new person that is doing something, a project for the first year, and they are asking me questions or how they think it's going to go. And I always tell them, "Well, just remember, your first year is always the worst." And then they look at me funny. And I say, "That's where you learn how to fix everything for the next one."
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, and it's it's interesting because I always think in leadership too. Like, it, you know, I feel I feel bad sometimes because. It takes a year to kind of figure things out, and then for for many of our volunteer leaders, they only get to stay in that role for a year, and they're just kind of hitting their stride. And I'm like, wait a minute, the year is over, <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. And, and even here, you know, somebody said to me, you know, as a, as an executive director, you know, you need you need three years, right? A year to just figure out the landscape and what it is a year to start building really strong relationships. And then a year, then that third year you start making impact. And I'm like, okay, that's, that that sounds pretty reasonable. And, um, but there's some, there's some real validity in that because it takes time to kind of navigate, even if you've had the training and things like that, it does take time to figure it out. And, and for a lot of our volunteer leaderships, that one year almost feels like it's, it's short because, by the time you start hitting, you know your stride, you're, you're ready to pass it over to somebody else,
0: and you just want to g- kind of pass them all that great knowledge. And let me guess, you're in your third year now, so you are going to make an impact, right? Is that what you're? Is that what you saying? I,
1: I hope so. <laughs> I, ho- I hope we're making some impact already, but but watch out. So.
0: <laughs> well, Cheryl, I really enjoyed visiting with you and kind of getting to know you, letting our membership get to know you as our a person and as our executive director. What is some of the aspirations you have for this year? Because I know. Looking, moving forward, like we have our conference in uh, Niagara Falls this year com- coming for our international convention, because it's 100 years of um, Canadian optimism. Is there anything fun you're looking forward to moving in the future with that?
1: You know, I, I am so looking forward to Niagara Falls. Um, so thanks for, for asking on that one. I think this next year will be, again, a, an, another year where we can continue to try to move, move the needle a bit. Um, And move forward and again, continue to modernize, which we have been working on. Um, You know, we have been working on, on a lot of these things, but some of them feel like they're very, very small little changes, but they have big impact. So as we move forward um, this next year, I, I do so with actually a great deal of hope. I think we've had a, a great year this year. I think, you know, I I I love what we did last year. I love more what we did this year. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to to this third year and, and working with President Tracy as we move into the next, into the next optimist year. But the thing we have to always remember again is is like to build on the momentum. Like, what are we doing right? And let's amplify that. And let's do more. Like we had a great convention in, in Arlington. Um, we started to see a rebound in some of those attendee numbers, but we tried some new things. And, you know, we really invested in taking some time to say, let's let's put some content in here that we feel can help people become just better humans. Um, and you know, learn some different skills and not just make it about, well, if you're an officer, you come and get training, but we wanted to make it a member experience and so anybody could come in to our convention and feel like they left feeling inspired and empowered and and really wanting to to be a better better person and i think we found the right combination of keynote speakers to help us with that so i want to build on that as we move into niagara falls i know that the host committee up there and the centennial committee up in, in canada are already excited and looking at a lot of things the convention committee is starting to do a a lot of really strong work with, with our team here, but we'll continue to build out um, some really excellent member experiences. I want to encourage people to attend. If you've never been to Niagara Falls, like I'm a girl from upstate New York. So I was like, Hey, Niagara Falls. That's, that's something we all do as as, as young people. So, but there's a lot of people who've never been to Niagara Falls. So it is, and then the Canadian side so much better than the U S side. Um, No offense, but um, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, it will be beautiful And, um, and, and the fact that we get to be there at that time of year right before their peak tourist season starts which it does start literally as we as we end our convention is such a blessing. Um, so it, it will be a lot of fun for that event. Um, and there's just some, that's just a beautiful part of of uh, of the world. So people should make plans to be there. Don't forget though, if you are an American citizen, a US citizen, you do require a passport these days to get across, across the Canadian border. So if you haven't filed for one or applied for one, now is the time to do it. And if yours should happen to expire before December of 2024, it is now time to renew it as well. That will be my shameless plug.
0: You know, since we're going to Niagara, Falls, I think we should have a fundraiser to see uh, if we can uh, get the executive director to barrel ride overnight. <laughs> yes, well, oh, that well, would
1: well. be that. You should talk to you should talk to the foundations for that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know what our risk management policy will say about that.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll get you a, an insu- a daily insurance policy, like a fundraising <laughs> insurance policy. We can you you set the number and what we can raise will be barrel. <laughs>
1: There, there also might need to be a a high wine consumption or something (laughs) like
0: that. (laughs) We're just coming up with new ideas for fundraising.
1: You just, you just doing your part. I appreciate it. You know, innovation is all part of what we want to do. So, um, I would appreciate it if I didn't have to risk life and limb, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, maybe we could figure something out. Fill the barrel for uh, Niagara Falls Barrel Ride or something. There you go. <laughs> well, Cheryl, I really appreciate you taking time. I know your schedule is really busy and we appreciate all you do for Optimus International.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure. And, you know, it's such a joy to be part of this organization. And um, I just look forward to to where we're going and uh, let me know, you know, again, if there's anything I can do uh, because it is it is just a privilege for me to, to, to serve in this role.
0: I'm sure we'll be having you on again, to talk about some other issues. We are looking forward to that. I am too.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Diving deeper into the executive running management of Optimus International.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: And we always like to end with a quote, kind of the stuff that we uh, have talked about for the end of our podcast, because we we start out what we're going to talk about kind of wrap everything up to people can have some positive influence in their life. And this one pretty much, I think, uh, some Cheryl up to a perfect T a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity and an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. We would like to thank you for listening to the choose optimism podcast. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review and share with your family and friends. to let them know what's going on in your community as well. And until next time, remember to choose optimism.